Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Good morning. Good morning. So good to be with you today. Our New Testament reading this morning comes to us from 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, verses 9 through 12. Listen once again to the word of God. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Amen. Fifteen years ago, would any of us have imagined how popular social media would be today? I doubt it. Twitter, 368 million monthly users. TikTok, 1 billion users. Instagram, 1.35 billion users every month. And the granddaddy of them all, Facebook, 2.924 billion users, more than a third of every man, woman, and child on the planet. That's a lot of people. Last week I posted this question on Facebook, what do you enjoy or find helpful about social media? Here are some of the responses. Angie, a dear, dear friend from high school said, it helps keep in touch with family and friends I don't see often. Tangela, another friend from high school, I actually found friends like you and see what they're doing. And then she adds, I love the delete button. Janice, a good friend and the best secretary I've ever had, she said, encouraging Christian posts and keeping up with family and friends. Beth, a friend and colleague from seminary, keeping in touch with old friends from previous eras of life. Gloria, a member of my church in Delaware, keeping in touch. Matt, a colleague on the West Coast, Thoughtful political discourse, he said. That's a joke. Mm-mm-mm. Melanie, a friend and former staff member from my church in Pennsylvania, seeing pictures of families and good times with friends. Louise, a co-counselor from 1982, I've not seen her in 41 years, but she said, connecting with friends I haven't seen in years. And then Kathy, a friend of mine from my church in Charleston, finding and connecting friends, connecting with friends from as far back as high school, feeling of a little connection to my past self. I've asked this question on a couple of other occasions in my time on Facebook, and the responses are remarkably similar. To keep up with friends and family. That's the power of social media. The social is what's so powerful about social media. 
In the Old Testament reading this morning, we are reminded that we are created in the image of God. And in a nutshell, that means that we are created for community. God has fashioned us in such a way that it is only as we nurture relationships with one another that we are then invited to enjoy fulfilling, meaningful, and joyful lives. As Johnny Cash sings, flesh and blood needs flesh and blood, and you're the one I need. And based on our New Testament reading this morning from 1 Thessalonians, it seems that Paul would agree with this assessment. Did you catch it? It's easy to miss. In his writings throughout the Old New Testament, Paul is always pointing to the centrality of the faith community and our following of Jesus. If Paul had created social media, however, he would not have called it TikTok or Twitter or Facebook. You know what Paul would have called it? One anothering. One anothering incorporated, that's what Paul would have called it. One another is a reciprocal pronoun, and reciprocal pronouns are used to underscore a mutual relationship. Paul uses this pronoun throughout his letters. Outdo one another in showing love. Live in harmony with one another. Welcome one another just as Christ welcomed you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Be servants of one another. Uh, and then from Galatians, bear one another's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Or as we heard just a moment ago from 1 Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another and build up one another as indeed you are doing. One another has historically not been a subject of theological inquiry, but back in the 1980s, a German theologian by Gerhard Lofink said with a distinctive German accent, y'all! And he pointed to how often one another appears in the writings of Paul. He says, this is not an accident. This is Paul telling us, in a rather indirect way, that community is central to following Jesus Christ. One another is Paul's way of emphasizing social networking, developing and nurturing relationships with one another. That is the key to grasping what it means to be a Christian. When we follow Jesus, like it or not, we don't just walk with him. We walk with his brothers and sisters. We walk with one another. On one of our many trips to the city a few years ago, Deb and I saw the musical Billy Elliot, the winner of the 2009 Tony Award. Have many of you seen it? I'm assuming you have. It's outstanding. It, it, it follows the, Billy, the son of a coal miner, it takes place in a small town in England that is struggling to cope with a changing economy. Now, Billy is 11 years old. He's the son of a coal miner, and for years the mines have provided jobs for 300,000 people. But now the workers are on strike. Billy's father and Billy's brother are on strike, and they passionately support it, but the wheat's turn into months, and it becomes more and more difficult to make ends meet. During the strike, Billy discovers his love of dancing, particularly ballet. He is a gifted dancer, and his instructor, Mrs. Wilkinson, nurtures his talent. His family, however, responds with derision and disdain. They ridicule him for his love of dance. They taunt him and forbid him from dancing again. 
But after watching him dance, his father has a change of heart. He is willing to take Billy to London to audition for the Royal Ballet. But his father, in the midst of the strike, cannot even afford the fare to get to London. And so filled with overwhelming shame, but motivated by a deep, deep love for his son, he prepares to cross the picket line and work as a scab. It's a painful sacrifice, but he's willing to do whatever's necessary for his son. When his friends and his own other son find out what he's doing, they explode with rage and fury. They are hurt, they are shocked, they are incensed. And then one of them says to Jackie, the father, the bottom line is, you didn't trust us. And then reaching into their pockets and pulling out what scat change they had, including a scab, they gave Jackie their money so that he and Billy were able to afford their trip to London. Instead of a pronoun, perhaps one another should be a verb. That community one anothered Jackie and Billy and their family. When we visit those who are grieving or ill, what are we doing? We are one anothering. When we are able to remember that the church is not a business, when we can move beyond the inclination to regard ministry as a transactional enterprise, when we can see one another, those with whom we worship on Sunday mornings, as our very brothers and sisters, then you know what we're doing? We are one anothering. When we see that our tithes and offerings are not our dues, not a payment for services rendered, but a financial sacrifice that we are willingly embracing for the sake of one another in our shared ministry, then we are one anothering. When we welcome guests, whether on Sunday or during a program during the week, not because they might join our church, not because of how they might bless us, but simply because together we hope to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ, then we are one another. As most of you probably know by now, I have a passion for the Duns. And for those of you who are new to our congregation, the Duns are those who have left the church. 65 million Americans have left the Church of Jesus Christ across all denominations and all sizes of congregations. I've written a book on it, I've published nationally on it, I've lectured on it, I've preached on it, and yet still, most congregations have no clue this is going on. The original researcher, a sociologist in Colorado, has become so disillusioned that he's even given up on the research and turned to other projects. 65 million people, 30.5 million of these still love Jesus, but they simply do not want to hang out with me and you. What's going on? Well, there are many factors, but this is a significant one. Research tells us that they approached a church, entered the life of a church because they were in search of community. 
relationships that were honest and authentic and nurturing and caring that held one another accountable for their faith and yet comforted one another in times of crisis and challenge. And yet, instead of encountering and experiencing community, far too often in churches they encountered a judgmental attitude. And so they left. And they do not want to come back. And the research indicates that the chances of them coming back are very, very slim. Instead of engaging those who are leaving, this is how many churches, not all churches, but this is how many churches respond. Let's blame the preacher. He, she, they are not doing enough. Let's blame them, which helps us understand why last year 42% of ministers considered leaving their church. Some congregations say this, well, if we can just get a young pastor in here, we will fill up these pews once again, like we did in the 1950s, which was a historical anomaly for churches, by the way. But if we could just get a young pastor in here, I must tell you, my colleagues and I laugh about this all the time. It doesn't work. It never has worked. But ask churches what they want. Oh, we want a young minister, because he'll bring in young people. I was reading about a church looking for a pastor, an interim, in New Jersey a couple of weeks ago, and they said it in black and white. We want an interim who will come in and bring in young families. Really? All 30 of you, huh? You expect the pastor to go in and bring in young families. Well, more power to you. Go ahead and try. I've been on the soapbox for 35 years, even when I was a young pastor, and I, I still don't quite get it. But it is a natural temptation for many churches to take. Oh, by the way, uh, when I hear people saying, oh, we need more youth, more children, you know, you know what I usually say? How big was Jesus' youth group? Have you thought about that? Did Jesus have a youth group? Theologically, it is idolatrous to put our focus on those who are younger than us because then we are simply treating them as a means to our very own end instead of embracing them for who they really are. We have a thriving young adult group in our congregation. You know why? Because our staff is intentionally nurturing community and relationships. You want to know why? Because our staff is focusing on one anothering. That is what people are hungry for today. That is what people are searching for. A community where one anothering is a reality. So that no matter what you are experiencing, no matter what kind of hardship or pain, no matter what kind of opportunity or joy you're celebrating, you can come with people who actually know you by name and care and be with you. This actually gives me great hope for the Church of Jesus Christ. If we just listen closely to what Scripture is telling us, particularly in this instance, Paul's use of the reciprocal pronoun one another, that gives us our guidance for the future. The churches in the future who will focus on 
cultivating and nurturing community will be the churches that are most open to the spirit flowing in their midst to grow. As important as outstanding preaching is, right? Oh, come on, you can't laugh more than that on a Sunday morning, really. Hey, wake up out there. As important as beautiful music is, what people want today is to be known by name, to be cared for as an individual, to live out their faith with brothers and sisters who love Jesus. There is no quick fix to the decline of the church in the United States or the Western civilization. None whatsoever. But if we get back to what's really important, that will help. Do any of you remember the name Patrick Hutchinson? Two and a half years ago, his face appeared on media around the world. He is a father and a grandfather. He lives in England, and he went to London to attend a Black Lives Matter rally. He went because he and his friends had heard that some far-right nationalists were coming in to stir up trouble, and indeed, their gathering quickly devolved into violence. Mr. Hutchinson, who is a rather large black man, looked over and he saw a white man on a set of steps curled up in a fetal position. And he and his friends raced over to him, and they formed a barrier around him to keep other people away. And then Mr. Hutchinson picked him up and put him on his shoulders, and as his friends encircled him, providing a wall of security, they carried him to the police. Mr. Hutchinson says that as he was carrying the man, he could feel people in the crowd trying to reach out and hit him and harm him. But he made it. He made it to the police. He did not want his face to be seen in the media around the world, but it was, and in an interview he explained, I want to see equality for everybody. I am a father, a grandfather, and I would love to see my young children, my young grandchildren, my nieces and my nephews have a better world than I have lived in. And then he added, the world I live in has been better than my grandparents and my parents, and hopefully we can continue until we have total equality for everyone. As Christians, how would we describe his action? He was one anothering. Gerhard Lofink, the theologian who pointed out the importance of one another in Paul's writings reminds us the most important and irreplaceable service Christians can render society is quite simply that they truly be church. Karl Barth put it a slightly different way. He said that our true calling as Christians is to be a Christian. And that means that we want another here, and we want another out there. And we do so because we believe, we actually believe, 
that in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, God has one another, us. Amen.